and welcome to Toho Yaro, a Japanese movie club podcast. I am Alex, uh, your host for this week. With me, as always, are Joey. Hi, Alex. I actually, not exactly uh, the same, but I just ate a big bowl of pho, so I've got some <laughs> hot noodles in me. Oh, awesome. <laughs> no stranger to pho. And uh, with us, of course, as always, is Scott. Hi, everybody. I didn't have quite as luxurious a meal, but uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to talk about the movie. Yeah, me too. And and that particular movie that we're talking about this week is 1985's Tampopo. Uh, Tempopo was uh, was directed uh, by by Juzo Itami. Um, this is the only movie I've ever seen that he's done, but uh, his uh, he's uh, he's he's been around the block, uh, so to speak. Um, uh, there's a movie in particular that uh, that he did called The Funeral, which is his first uh, I think first directorial uh, foray and. Um, it's sort of similar to this movie in that it sort of takes the uh, the minutia of a particular thing and expands upon it. Um, in that case, a funeral, but in this case, it's it's about ramen and the joy of eating. Um, uh, other movies that he has directed are uh, the Taxing Woman movies, Tales of a Golden Geisha, and uh, Minbo. I've had uh, the Taxing Woman recommended to me. Um, I've heard that those are good. But also similar to this, uh, have uh, I think maybe even more so than Tom Popo, like some uh, erotic scenes that <laughs> <laughs> maybe make it uh, a little harder to recommend to everybody. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I could say the same thing about this movie, depending on what parts you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, uh, so this movie uh, was both written and directed by uh, Mr. Itami. And it stars uh, Tsutomu Yamazaki, Nobuko Miyamoto, Koji Yakusho, Ken Watanabe, and Yukiya Yak- ya- uh, Yasuoka. Uh, the music is by uh, Kunihiko Murai, and um, and of course distributed by our very own Toho Productions. Uh, now, uh, before we get into the synopsis, um, do you guys have previous history with uh, with the film? Yeah, I do. Um, I had seen this originally in high school. Uh, I, I in my high school Japanese class, and my uh, teacher. I don't know if she did this or someone who gave her uh, the copy of the tape did this, but the the tape was edited to edit out all the uh, spicier scenes, <laughs> as I as we were just alluding to. So all the you know all the sex scenes with the man in white and stuff, and. Um, I didn't even know until later that they were in that until like maybe college. I think I was renting it to show some friends and one of those scenes came up and they were all like, what is this Joey? And <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I've never seen this before. <laughs> That's super funny. How about uh, you guys? Scott? Uh, I had never actually seen this movie before. I had heard a bunch of people in various friend groups talk about it and knew that it was responsible for, ramen getting made or going out to, to various restaurants afterwards that I was a part of, but this is my first time actually watching the movie. Ah, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, like most of the movies that we talk about on this show, uh, the last time I watched this movie was about a decade ago. Um, a buddy of mine had recommended, uh, recommended it to me. And, uh, that was, this was around the time that Netflix was sort of a big thing. People would get, uh, 
you know, the mail-in discs, and which was really cool because Netflix had a, and still does, has a gigantic library of, of movies that they can mail to you, a lot of which are foreign, and uh, Tom Popo was one of them. And uh, I thought it was super funny when I had seen it, and I don't, I didn't remember a whole, uh, a whole lot of it to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and now uh, that we've um, kind of explored, a, you know, a little bit more out of, out of my own comfort zone when it comes to Japanese film, I'm uh, able to, to appreciate this movie and its, uh, and its cast a little more. Um, now, uh, the, regarding the cast, uh, the the uh, the main character, so to speak, Tampopo, is uh, Nobuko Miyamoto. Um, I didn't recognize her from anything uh, in particular, um, but she uh, she is a uh, she is a um, Hitami vet, uh, so to speak. Uh, she's been in most, if not all, of his movies. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, um, I always love love seeing like directors kind of attach themselves to actors that they like working with. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, examples of course would be uh, the big example would be uh, Mifune and uh, Kira Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. Now the main guy, uh, the main, uh, the other main, well, the main, the leading man, so to speak, uh, Tsutomu Yamazaki, who plays Goro. Um, he has a really. Uh, <laughs> He's he's got a really distinctive look to him, and uh, I, I don't think I had rem- I'd seen him in anything, and um, he kind of evokes a uh, it might just be the cowboy hat, but a Clint Eastwood type of uh, <laughs> atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, I uh, you know um, I might as well bring this up now. I I kept thinking that uh, how quaint it was that when I first saw this movie, I was so blown away by the concept of a sort of like uh cowboy themed trucker and now uh, <laughs> i have gone and seen many many movies with crazy themed truckers including uh in the truckyaro series including a spanish bullfighting one who has huge uh horns on his corrida truck um and a, and a mural on the side of a bull and stuff which is sort of an even more exaggerated version of the uh this this guy's truck which has little horns on yeah it, which is, is funny. <laughs> yeah uh my dad uh when we were watching this last week uh he laughed a whole lot at at uh at goro's truck yeah uh, <laughs> i believe it's also supposed to be a milk truck which makes it more funny that it has the horns <laughs> <in> uh, <it. laughs> that's, that's super awesome. funny um yeah uh i was gonna say the uh the actor uh Sotomo yamazaki i believe is also in a movie departures which i have not seen but my wife likes a lot which is a more recent film. Ah, oh, very cool. Yeah, um, he's got uh, some history with Kurosawa. Uh, he's been in uh, uh, High and Low, Kagemusha, and Redbeard, which I think is on one of our lists um, to, to watch at some point. Uh, and I think it's kind of funny that he uh, he is um, in this ramen theme movie because he, uh, he co-starred in a movie with Brittany Murphy called The Ramen Girl in 2008, which I think is kind of uh... funny. Which yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've also seen it in video stores. <laughs> oh, I've actually watched it. It's okay. <laughs> it is no Tom Popo. Oh. Uh, the next, um, the next star on our list, um, uh, you know, U.S. audiences are going to recognize him. It's Ken Watanabe, uh, famous, of course, for um, his roles in The Last Samurai, uh, The New Godzilla, and uh, Batman Begins, and I think he was in Inception. Yeah, 
Um, I this was this was something that uh, I didn't notice until this time around. Um, I was you know moderately familiar with Ken Watanabe when I watched mm-hmm. this the first time, but I didn't realize that was him. Uh, he's young. Yeah. Yeah. He's very young. He doesn't. He, he's he's kind of scrawny. Kind of a mm-hmm. scrappy young guy. Yeah. Uh, I, he, I definitely wouldn't have noticed him if I hadn't been told uh, previously that he was in this movie. Yeah, I looked up the the cast first, so I I, I knew to look for him, but I wouldn't have recognized him either. He, he, he's one of those guys that kind of like grew into that face. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. For sure. Uh, and um, this next uh, the next guy that I I, I want to point out um, is a uh, I would call a favorite uh, a Tohoyaro favorite Koji Yakusho. Who yeah. of course played uh, Sugiyama in Shall We Dance, and um, I, <laughs> I, I to to be perfectly honest, I didn't realize it was him until like halfway through the movie, until I looked at the, uh, until I looked him up. I was like, he looks familiar. <laughs> like, yeah, seen him no, I had recently. the same, I had the exact same thing where he he seemed familiar to me, and I was like oh, racking my brain, trying to think of where I recognized him from, but the role is just so different. Yeah, oh, he's, completely. He's also a bit younger, but just like his expressions and that kind of like sly, devious look he's got is something that we didn't see at all in uh, Shall We Dance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what took me aback because you see him right right early on and he's this loud Yakuza guy and uh, <laughs> completely opposite of the character that he plays in Shall We Dance. As far as accolades go, uh, Tampopo won the Japan Academy Prize for Outstanding Achievement in Sound Recording, which uh, which actually is super <laughs> funny to me because uh, when I was making my notes throughout this movie, I noted a lot of the sound effects that are used. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, the Foley is very, like, it's very interesting in a sort of cartoony kind of way. Uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it as we go, but... Um, but I think it's funny that it won an award for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, they, they slip both, like, really subtle and and really obvious stuff in there, so it's pretty clever design. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was kind of a hit when it came out. Uh, it was uh, it came out, of course, in Japan in 1985, but then it was also released uh, overseas in America in 1987, and it, 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 was, uh, it, it got nothing but good reviews. Uh, Roger Ebert himself gave the film a four out of four. Um, it comments that, uh, like the French comedies of uh, Jacques Tati, it's a bemused meditation on human nature in which one humorous situation flows into another offhandedly as if life were a series of smiles. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this movie is uh, infamous for being called a, uh, a ramen western, which is a play on the term spaghetti western, and there are uh, parts of the movie that, uh, that echo this sentiment. Uh, so... Uh, we'll get right down to the uh, the synopsis of the movie, which um, is going to be a, a kind of different this time around because the film itself has an uh, an ongoing story, but interspersed throughout are six or seven vignettes that don't have anything to do with, with the main story itself. So uh, mm-hmm. we will talk about those in particular uh, after afterwards, I suppose. Uh, so the movie opens... Uh, <laughs> sort of in a uh, in a movie theater actually and um immediately the fourth wall is broken by uh Yakusho's character the man in white a uh a, a, a yakuza of sorts and he says uh, one sees a movie that you know he goes on into this tirade about how one sees a a movie before they die and it's a, a very um 
very relinquishing experience. Uh, and uh, he also has this really funny moment where he basically yells at a patron for uh, for making noise during the movie. <laughs> yeah, of course, after he's like, cronies like bring out this full plate with like a huge meal on it for him. Uh, this fancy meal with like wine and stuff. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. So, uh, so the movie itself starts, um, and, uh, we're, we're taken to a truck, uh, we aforementioned truck with the, uh, with the horns, uh, driven by, uh, driven by, uh, Goro and, um, and his, uh, I guess a gun who is his apprentice gun is, gun is, um, Watanabe and Goro is Yamazaki. Mm-hmm. Um, Go, uh, Gun reads a uh, a book about the proper way to eat ramen, and uh, it it's it goes on for a little bit. Um, this is the first this well this is technically the first vignette, but it sort of has to do with the rest of the movie. So uh, I guess I I can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, a sensei and his and his student, uh, and they are both eating ramen, and the sensei. It describes the proper way to eat ramen and how you have to uh, you have to really drink into the experience, so to speak. And uh, yeah, this this scene really like tells you like we're gonna take food very seriously to almost cartoonish heights. Yeah, uh, and damned if this movie doesn't make you hungry. Yeah, uh, yeah, seriously. Watching it like that that part alone made me want to stop and like drive, <laughs> you know, two hours back to back to DC to. To eat some ramen um so uh that sort of sets the stage for the movie um they uh they were they're going to keep on going but uh goro insists that they stop to eat because there's a noodle shop right there uh called lilai noodle and uh as they're uh coming in from the rain they save a, a kid uh, his name is tabo who gets uh the shit kicked out of him by three uh by three young upstarts um as they walk in uh, to the noodle shop, it's lousy with ruffians and drunks, and uh, and all of them, in particular one, whose whose name is uh, Piskin. You don't find that out until later on. Uh, the drunk he wakes up and picks a fight with Goro, uh, and uh, just takes Goro out in the front, and uh, everybody teams up on him, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, I want just for a second to highlight this actor, actually, uh, Rikia Yasuoka. Um, he hasn't done a ton of work, but he does appear in the original Truck Yaro movie as a, a, a truck driver who gets in a big fight with uh, Bunta Sugawara early in the film. Oh, wow. Oh, far out. That's cool, yeah. Uh, I, I just saw his thing. Yeah, he's also in Toxic Avenger, too. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Izo, which I've seen. Um yeah, I have a few it. more uh, specific actor notes who I'll I'll touch on when we get to them. Fantastic. Uh, this thing is just like sprinkled with like people that we've already discussed or that we surely will at a later date. Gotcha. Very cool. Uh, so uh, the next morning, Goro wakes up. Uh, you know he's beaten, but uh, but the the woman who owns the noodle shop takes care of him. Uh, her name is Tempopo, which means dandelion. Uh, not that it matters yet. Um, but, uh, they, uh, they all sit down for breakfast and, uh, the kid mentions that, uh, well, you know, I'm a man. I never run from a fight. And, uh, you know, just like, just like my old man, 
uh, who is out of the picture. I don't think it's uh, it's explained whether or not he had left or died. Um, but either way, uh, his father's out of the picture. And uh, they mentioned to, uh, to Tampopo uh, about her ramen that her noodles are bad. They're just uh, <laughs> uh, cut and dry very bad. So Agoro and Gun uh, attempt to help her perfect uh, the noodles as they leave. Um, she she pleads Goro to teach her, uh, and uh, you know whenever he you know uh, comes back into the area, she'll keep pickles ready for them. Uh, they commented on how good her pickles were at the very least. So uh, right after that, we have a training montage, which is great because that's not something that you see in these movies <laughs> often. <Yeah. laughs> and, and it's kind of funny. It's very it's very like it's it's very uh, Mickey. Mickey training Rocky. She's lifting the pot. She's ladling yeah. the noodles. She's prepping. She's timing prep, and she's jogging with him uh, beside her on a bike and stretching. Like it's it it's uh, it doesn't take itself very seriously, uh, but at the same time it does. Through uh, throughout the uh, this portion of the movie, Goro takes her to competing noodle shops. Uh, one in particular, uh, I'm going to call it the uh, the shitty noodle place. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, uh, he men- mentions that they waste all of their motion, uh, and nobody remembers anybody's order. Everybody's always asking, "Oh, what did that guy order? What did that guy order?" And the only thing that they ha- the only thing that they do right is welcome the patrons. And they go to another place where the exact opposite is happening. This is the good place. Uh, everybody, the the um, the proprietors remember all of the orders, and. Uh, and they waste they waste none of their motions at all. Like every single stroke that they make, uh, they're doing something. They're ladling soup. They're giving it to the customers. They're you know adding ingredients. Uh, and uh, another place where uh, it's a noodle shop by a train station, and uh, this is a another noodle joint where all of the orders are remembered uh, very. Uh, very meticulously, which is interesting because like ten people come in at the exact same time and they all have different orders, and Tampopo manages to remember who ordered what and what correct order, so uh, she seems to be doing something right at this point. Uh, so uh, later she goes into a shop, and uh, and the owner, who is a gambler, um, she asks him the secret of his soup, which is amazing, and he says, "Oh, I can give you that secret for a million million yen," and uh, when he goes. Uh, Goes over to do something else. Another, uh, another guy who happens to be there, a patron. He says, "Oh, I'll you know offer you the same recipe for thirty thousand. Just come back to my my store later on." So they, she goes to the store. Uh, the store is right next to the ramen shop, and he takes her into a little closet to peep on uh, <laughs> on on this guy's uh, ramen recipe. So she sees him making a soup using a, a whole chicken for the stock, and. Uh, and then in the, in the next scene, uh, she's she's back uh, at the uh, at Lili trying to uh, replicate this recipe, and we see her kind of light a cigarette and sort of sort of doze off a little bit. And then the next scene, we uh, we go back to the shitty ramen place, and um, Gun and Goro and Tampopo order something, and they purposefully don't finish their meal. And uh, rudely enough, they challenge those proprietors to come to Lili to try the noodles. Which is sort of a uh, a you know high noon showdown sort of sort mm-hmm. of deal, which is mm-hmm. like I, you know this is very very much like a spaghetti western. So this is Tom Popo's first test, and uh, she <laughs> she prepares uh, 
she prepares everything the next morning for for this uh you know group of group of uh group of ruffians to come in and try her ramen but she freaks out when she notices that she actually boiled the uh she boiled the soup which is something you're not supposed to do and they come in and they for no reason physically assault goro and uh and uh she she has a, a freak out which uh turns into her waking up it was a nightmare um, <laughs> this and, is a good like kind of early moment where they, they're like kind of playing with genre and stuff like even as soon as she's like sneaking through the like fabric shop or whatever to like peek through the music's getting very intense and i feel like it's even shot a little more like kind of shaky cam and stuff like um and then and then like you said it kind of turns into a western <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the drums during that scene where she's she's getting led through the shop, the entire thing is like very tense and ominous, and then just turns out to be spying through the cracks. Uh, but yeah, also the uh, another thing with the western is when he first, uh, when Goro first uh, starts talking to Piskin, is a very like western or samurai movie kind of kind of scene, and they're all everybody wears kind of like pseudo western style clothing yeah uh it not just that but the music is very like western or european to me um yeah there's a lot of a lot of string a lot of string quartet stuff in this movie it's very it's very uh it, it's very like um like french i guess mm. uh so um so it's a nightmare she wakes up and it turns out she actually really did boil the soup and it's it's ruined so she closes the shop uh Goro then takes her to go see the sensei, uh, which is um, uh, a supremely funny scene because the uh, the sensei <laughs> is um, he resides in a little shanty town full of hobos, uh, but it's not just any hobos; they're hobo gourmets. Um, <laughs> so the sensei was a doctor who was betrayed by uh, by his partner, uh, who also stole his wife. So um, he's down on his luck. Um, but yeah, he's he's somewhat of the head gourmet here, um, and there's this really great little scene where uh, where the hobos all have different uh, you know they have uh, varying uh, elitist opinions about how food should taste. It's not it's it, it's very it's very funny considering like yeah, these, these are these are some guys, some high class guys. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. I, I was wondering if it was commentary on like if these guys used to be all like fancy chefs and then just changing changing taste in foods kind of left them out on the street. Oh, with I all wonder. This useless knowledge, but uh, yeah, that was kind of my reading on it. Because at one point they talk about like how a machine can can chop uh, a cabbage way more efficiently than a person can. That's all people want. Oh yeah, that, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that. So I guess yeah, the uh, the machines took the jobs of these guys. It seems. Uh, there's this really cute little scene where uh, one of them asks uh, Tabo what he wants to eat, and he says, "Oh, immediately just a rice omelet." And he's like, "Okay, follow me." And there's this really great little uh, silent film esque, uh, you know, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton sort of uh, scene where the two of them. Uh, and basically set to ragtime music, uh, sneak into a kitchen, uh, avoiding a security guard, and utilize the kitchen to make a perfect rice omelet and also clean up the kitchen 
uh, on their way out. Yeah. So it looked like it, nobody had been there. as the guard enters in a very, like, yeah, Scooby-Doo moment. <laughs> yeah. Could definitely be described as a caper. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So, um, they add a, so at that, at that point, they add the, the master, their, the sensei, to their crew. Um, and they have this really fun, like, heartfelt, melodic farewell. They sing a little song, uh, uh, I guess in, in, uh, to, to signify, oh, farewell master, Maybe we meet again someday. Mm-hmm. So uh, the sensei schools her completely soup-wise um, and tells her everything that she's doing wrong, and uh, he presents her a pig head uh, mm-hmm. as a secret ingredient in, to which she faints because uh, it was just the way that it looked at her. Well, that was kind of funny. Uh, so uh, they go to another noodle joint, a completely different one, a much bigger one, actually. Or uh, this is either a noodle joint or, or uh, I guess an izakaya restaurant, because it's not your typical um, you know noodle joint with the bar. Uh, either way, they all go to eat, and um, an old man walks into the bar, or I'm sorry, the restaurant with his valet and a young girl who may or may not be his wife or his daughter. Uh, he seems like an invalid, um, and moves very very slowly while eating. Um, you know, they order for him. Uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bank. You know, you just, you know, sit here and eat your eat your food. And, uh, yeah, so he eats very slowly and carefully, but when nobody's looking, he vigorously slurps his ramen like a monster. Uh, <laughs> and then at one point he starts choking, and since in a very uh, dumbfounding scene to me where they, in a world where they haven't really invented the Heimlich maneuver, uh, they... They do whatever they can to try to get him t- to stop choking. So they eventually vacuum uh, the uh, <laughs> the food out of his gullet. Yeah, with literally with a vacuum yeah. cleaner. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a great <laughs> scene. And as a sign of thanks, he treats them to supon, which I believe is soft-shell turtle. Uh, uh, warning, animals were harmed in the making of this scene. Yeah, no kidding. Uh I uh, didn't remember the scene at all and was completely shocked. Yeah, it was uh, it was a bit off-putting uh, along about the same uh, same scale as the the sex scene that I was not expecting. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that we'll we'll get to that. We'll save yeah, that for this this uh, movie and I think uh to some extent this reflects uh cultural different differences, but this movie is very frank about like where food comes from with yes. the pig head and killing the turtle uh right in front of your very eyes uh uh you know i that still to me that scene of them slicing the turtle open while it's still alive is like hard to to watch yeah it's um if i didn't know it was coming uh i would have probably turned away but it happened so fast mm-hmm. and at first I, it took me a second like oh is that a turtle is it alive oh god it's alive Oh God, yeah, it's it's uh it's it, it is off-putting, yeah, but it's done so casually that I think that's the shocking part. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's I guess that's how it is. Um, and the uh the man who who uh who cooks the soup on, 
is the valet. Um, his name is Shohei, and he joins the Lilai team as well. Um, he's going to uh, help Tampopo craft her noodles. Now, uh, in the meantime, they decide to call the, uh, the place uh, Tampopo Ramen, after the proprietor herself. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> pardon me? Tampopo and Shohai uh, decide to dumpster dive to find out what competitors use in their noodles. Um, now, when they uh, this is this is one of the scenes where they and they slurp the noodles, uh, and it makes this like whoop, this weird oh, yeah. <laughs> slide whistle. <laughs> yeah, this yeah this <laughs> incredibly awesome sound that I wish uh, real noodles made when you slurp them. And yeah. uh, she does this really cool thing where where she sort of. Uh, Fast talks. Uh, she 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 fake complains about the noodles and um, tricks the uh, the chef into revealing his noodle technique at this restaurant. Yeah, he does a good like double take as she walks away. Like, what did I just? Yeah. <laughs> like he he realizes what happens as she's leaving. Yeah. Uh, in the next scene, uh, the drunk from the beginning, uh, Piskin, um, meets Goro. Uh, or does he meet him like under a bridge, right? Yeah. Uh, he runs or, or into he... him while he's uh, right. uh, doing something with his truck. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was gassing up his truck or something like that. And he runs into him and and uh, and says, hey, uh, you know, the other day when I beat the crap out of you, uh, I was a little drunk so I couldn't tell my boys to stop from helping. So I'd like to fight you one-on-one -on -one to make up for uh, for how unfair it was. So um, there's this really cool fight scene under the bridge uh, or, or under the overpass. There's an underpass at this point. I don't know. Either way, um, really cool scene where they they just fight like fist fight for a good like three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, Very manly. It is. Yeah, they both they uh, they both bond through punches, which is the classic, <laughs> uh, the classic trope. Yeah, it's good uh, Toho Yaro uh, quality fist fight or, uh, or <laughs> truck Yaro quality truck fist Yaro. fist fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fight ends in a stalemate and. Um, and they both fly on the ground, uh, complimenting each other. And uh, Piskin asks Goro if he's sweet on Tampopo, and Goro just says, "No, no, no. I just, I just want her to make. I just want to make her place a, a, a decent restaurant." Mm -hmm. So he offers. Piskin offers to do the interior because you know, that's his job. It's not getting drunk. It's actually construction. Uh, so Piskin's in charge of the redecorating, and they mention that uh, she needs new clothes as well because hey if this place is getting redecorated she needs redecorating as well uh and this is kind of a kind of a silly scene where uh you know she's <laughs> she's given a like a chef's hat and they uh she looks like a like a honest to god chef and uh goro is 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 taken aback he's very uh very starry-eyed at this point mm -hmm. and then he uh that Soft focus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that is shot with like a, That's right. Yeah, soft focus lens. Uh, and uh, then she's given then she's given um another outfit, <laughs> which is uh completely super eighties. Yeah. Uh, and her personality completely changes, and they go out to barbecue. Uh, and she asks him, "Am I good?" Uh. Uh, and th this is this is an interesting scene where where Goro contemplates humanity and and uh, gives a little backstory um, as to uh, as to you know who he was 
how he had a wife and a kid, but, uh, you know, he just kept, uh, nothing was really ever, ever too good for him. So he, uh, he just moved on, which is sort of, uh, sort of sad when you think about it. Um, yeah, it's good. It's a good sort of like, I feel like I was kind of debating in my head a little bit watching that scene. Like, is this forcing a backstory onto a character that it's not necessary, but like, I feel like it did really kind of... It was nice to have those two characters uh, feeling like they're growing closer to each other because despite what Goro says, like I think both him and Piskin kind of love Tom Popo. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and there's no... There's no setup beforehand to that exchange, but I think it's it's pretty well earned and you get some pathos and it's not something that's just completely out of left field. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's true. It's it's and it, yeah, it's always good to have a little bit of backstory. Uh, you get to know why Gora is doing all this, basically. Um, so uh, she gives the staff uh, after everything is all said and done. She gives the staff a bowl each, uh, and by the staff, I mean at this point, you have um, you have Gora, you have Gun, you have the uh, the soup sensei, you have the noodle sensei uh, Shohei, and you have Piskin. And uh, it's still not up to par, but Piskin then gives her his own recipe, which is a huge hit, which makes a, uh, which, <laughs> which is, he, I was watching this with my, with my dad, and he's like, what? So he, she could have got this <laughs> recipe from this guy this entire time? Why did they get the other guy, the noodle guy, the soup guy? This makes no sense. My dad was, this really, this really made my dad mad for some reason. <laughs> I think it's kind of after after everything is said and done, he uh, he shows her his uh, spring onion soup recipe, which is uh, which becomes the signature dish. And uh, meanwhile, uh, at this point, uh, her kid ends up beating the shit out of the other three kids from the beginning who beat on him. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that came full circle. Uh, in the meantime, while Tom Popo was working on getting her ramen better, um, Tabo, I guess, in a story that we didn't see at all, is is learning as well. Uh, so she works hard on a new recipe uh, and gives it to everybody. And at last, the perfect uh, ramen recipe. Uh, this is when the shop gets torn down. And I made a note that uh, they could only have filmed this scene once. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they literally do, like, like rip it apart. Uh, so um, after the shop is remodeled, the gang gazes upon the uh, the shop outside. It's... Very, very European looking uh, from the outside and the inside. It has a nice little, um, the sign is a dandelion, which is uh, like really chic looking. You go inside yeah. and it looks nothing like before. It's not, there's no dank, there's no dinge. It's, I kind of like the way it looked before. Yeah, it's, yeah. Chalk it up to personal taste, but I also like the, the old wooden interior better than the like shiny, chromed out uh, European style interior. Yeah, it kind of looks like you went into an IKEA. Bit. And uh, yeah, or a bat like an IKEA bathroom, like. <laughs> yeah, what uh, Scott said about like the European influence, I think, or aesthetic, like, really hits the nail on the head because I think when you take into account the other vignettes and the little scenes and stuff, there's a there's definitely a love for European and French and you know uh, cooking and, and aesthetics for sure. Yeah, uh, it definitely looks more professional more upscale mm -hmm. um which is interesting because uh already there's a line out the door um she basically kills it business wise um tabo is now friends with the three kids who beat the crap out of him uh so basically he had his own little 
little uh, Trucciato uh, <laughs> moment with with the rest of the with the kids. Um, and uh, as uh, everybody queues up, uh, Goro leaves with a smile. Sensei goes back to the hobos. Shohei puts on his valet cap and returns to you know being a valet. And uh, Goro is about to climb in the truck when he's stopped by Piskin. Um, they say their goodbyes, and this is. <laughs> This is super funny and cute. Uh, when he's driving away, uh, Piskin uh, f- runs after the truck like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, just uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I thought yeah. that was super funny. Farewell. This, this g- yeah. going to show it, uh, like, what kind of relationship the two of them had. And I think there's also something that kind of ties into the like old west movie themes of like the kid chasing after the cowboy as he rides out of town off into the sunset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a that's a really good point. Um and uh and the credits roll as a baby suckles a teat, which is uh which seems weird, but really it's the first taste of food that a human gets. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that makes totally. sense to me. It's, it's on theme for sure. Yes. And and speaking of which I think we can go through the vignettes now. Uh which which as I mentioned before interspersed throughout the film. Um and it doesn't really matter honestly when they're interspersed. So uh, that first vignette, of course, uh, we mentioned was the uh, the book where uh, Ken Watanabe uh, inserts himself into the book as the uh, the sensei teaches him how to eat ramen in the proper fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the second vignette uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, it's a bunch of salarymen uh, all eat out at a famous seafood restaurant. Uh, they all order the same exact. Well, it's it's a whole bunch of salarymen and then a younger guy who I guess is the you know the the new the new guy. Um, they all order the same thing, which is a uh, sole uh, menier, uh, consomme, no salad, and a beer, a Heineken. Uh, everybody <laughs> orders the exact same thing, except for the young guy who uh, looks at the menu very very carefully and uh, is very inquisitive and orders like a fucking expert. Like he's he's been here many times before almost, and or he's very very familiar with French cuisine. Yeah, and it should be noted that he like came in sort of stumbling and is is kind of disheveled and not very professional seeming. So he seems sort of dopey as he's coming in. And then yeah, kind of his blows uh, him away. His immediate superior, whoever is, seems to be wrangling him. And as soon as he starts asking about the menu, he keeps kicking him in the leg, trying to get him to order the same thing as everybody else. <laughs> yeah. When he's done ordering, uh, his superior makes the best face I've ever seen. Oh my god, his mouth becomes a triangle, like a black triangle. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's worth it just for that scene. And he makes no noise, so it's, it's, it's this really ridiculous face. It's like he ha- himself has become a soul. Yeah, it's it's really funny because like in in social situations like that, you are generally expected to just follow whatever the boss does and order whatever he orders. And then the combination of like outrage and embarrassment that they all got uh, shown up by this goofy kid is just so good. Yeah. The, there's a silly effect of like making all their faces red. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> yeah. It's super good. I kind of wish that we had come back to that guy. Um, that vignette. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that vignette leads right into another one in the same restaurant where an etiquette class is being uh, is 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 underway, where a, a a mama-san is basically demonstrating to a group of young women the proper way to eat spaghetti. Uh, 
and uh, <laughs> she mentions that you know in the West, you know you don't slurp your your uh, your your food. You you know you're very uh, you're very quiet, and you do it with with such poise and precision. Meanwhile, uh, across the way, there is a, a a white guy, like a just a very. This guy is clearly not from Japan. He's he's a Western gentleman, and he is eating uh, spaghetti as well. And he is slurping like, <laughs> like, like he will die if he does not slurp. Yeah, what I love about this is that she's not just saying like this is the polite way to do it. She's saying this is the Western way to do it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the slurping noise is—you <laughs> can't not hear it. It's deafening. Yeah, it's it's so loud. The rest it's, of the audio. It's not just slurping; it's smacking. <laughs> Like yeah, it, and then all the ladies just have so much fun uh, doing slurping too, uh, much to the etiquette guide's dismay. talk a little bit uh just briefly point out that etiquette guide is played by mariko okada who uh if that sounds familiar that's because it's akemi from the samurai trilogy oh uh, yeah. yeah toho yaro alumni <laughs> that's wow that's cool but yeah i uh i also like the end of that scene where she eventually just gives in as well and everybody is slurping yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's super good yeah um then we're cut then we cut to uh room service uh it's uh the man in white the yakuza guy from the start sugiyama uh it starts off seemingly innocent and then it gets gross <laughs> it gets straight up gross i'm gonna say that it's it's basically it's it's basically one and a half minutes of food play slash splosh um which gets progressively weirder like it it starts off with like you know just your typical like you know just Oh, I'm gonna like you know put this in your mouth and we'll share a piece of food or whatever. And then he starts licking her armpit, uh, <laughs> which I guess is a I don't know regional thing, maybe. Uh, and it ends, oh God, it ends with him <laughs> taking live prawns in a in a little dish of like juice or something like that, putting it upside down on her belly button, and she's just tickled. While he's, uh, I don't know, just going to town, and yeah, 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 this is this is that the first instance of a scene that was cut out of the version <laughs> that I was used to, and then, and then my oh, friends God. looking at me like, "Is this the Joe? Is this the movie you like, Joey? Is this?" <laughs> <laughs> but I think the prawn part really pushes it to another level. Like, I feel like it it would be kind of even more uncomfortable if that wasn't there. But that's so bizarre and so weird that it's kind of makes it kind of glorious. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's for sure. Like it would have just been weird for the cut. That is that is for sure true. Um, the prawn thing is so like though it's it, out of everything in this entire movie, it is the weirdest thing. It yeah, is. I was not prepared for that. It is something out of a Takashi Miike movie. Mm-hmm. Like like if it were in a Miike movie, I'd be like, okay, yeah. It's, <laughs> 
you know, standard, it's business as usual. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it's weird, man. It's a weird hey, scene. When the man in white is saying that he takes food seriously, you know, he means it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he really, he really uh, kicks it up a notch there. Um, so, as a, a bit of weird serendipity, uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, I went to New York. Uh, oh, no. To stay with my brother-in-law. I hope this and, doesn't uh, get prawny. <laughs> no. It, um, while we were there, we went to the Brooklyn Museum, which has currently has an exhibition of works by an artist named Marilyn Minter, who uh, in the early 90s, she did a series of 100 pictures. Uh, it's called 100 Food Porn, and it's not explicit pictures of food, but it's pictures of people working with food that she painted that are like erotically charged even though it's just simple cooking things Mm -hmm. and uh between those and she has of uh several works in a separate series that involve uh kind of like gooey liquids and faces that i was like this is weirdly like uh uh a weird connection to that same work because the the thing where he drips honey down her mouth, I was like, this is just like that artwork I saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's uh, a cross-cultural connection that I think is really neat. And if anybody's in New York, you should uh, go to the Brooklyn Museum, check out that gallery. It's really interesting, uh, albeit there are explicitly pornographic things in there. Uh, or you can just uh, try to Google some of the images on uh, Google image search. And it's really fascinating that like things that are uh, just normal food items outside of the context of a, a person's body can still be so bizarrely like erotically charged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at that point um, we, we visit, you know, we revisit the main story for a while. Um, but then we come back to that same, that same scene almost. Or, um, or maybe it's a different time, but it's still, you know, room service scene. And uh, surprise, surprise, it's still gross. Uh, <laughs> it's worse, I think. Yeah. I don't like this scene at all. They, they, like, they swap egg yolk, like, back and forth in their mouths. Yeah. And, um, and, and the camera gets real close in. It's yeah, so gross. It's really disgusting, especially if you're like, I don't know, like, I like eggs, but uh, not that much. not to that point uh and then there's a flashback to how the two of them met uh which was sort of um i shouldn't i i it was hard to figure out if it was a flashback or not until Mm -hmm. stuff started happening uh basically the man in white um goes to the shore and sees a a girl a young girl at this point she's she looks like she's got probably like 13 um Yeah, yeah really young collecting oysters and uh he wanted to buy one off her. he's very like oh oh can i buy one of those oysters off you he's really really wanted an oyster so she opens it for him and um he cuts his lip on the oyster uh there's a little dollop of blood inside the oyster uh, as he tries to eat it and then they both uh kind of share a weird bloody oyster I think it's important to note that after she, after he cuts his lip, she goes and cuts the oyster out, which oysters right. are a, a very yonic looking thing. But uh, she cuts it out and then holds it in her hand that he then eats it out of. 
Right. Right, right, right. Like ver- yeah. voraciously. <laughs> yeah, like like he was a, like like a dog would actually. That's that's actually probably a good uh but yeah, he he would eat it like a dog would, which is also kind of gross. Um <laughs> it's almost like the the man in white is the uh is the B plot of this movie. Uh, cuz we do see him a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the closest thing to a framing device since we see him at the very beginning and then again close to the end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 for sure. Um, and, uh, so the next vignette, uh, which comes right after that, uh, is this guy who has a toothache on a train and, um, this, this, uh, sales girl on the train offering, uh, refreshments is offering dumplings and, um, he gets the dumplings and has trouble eating them and, uh, then we see him at the dentist's office. He's on his way to the dentist's office and, uh, the dentist and his assistant, uh, remove a quite sticky abscess from this man's mouth and say that he can eat anything. Um, and then the next scene we see him eating an ice cream and uh, a little ki- a little kid <laughs> comes up to him wearing, like... <laughs> the kid has a sign around her neck uh, and also a string attached to her that has a carrot that she's been eating. And the sign says... Uh, do not give me sweets or candy. So he gives her the ice cream. Uh, bad guy. Yeah, he's a he's a bad guy. And then that vignette ends, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like I, I couldn't. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I do want. Uh, this is the last uh, actor uh, that I wanted to point out. He's actually uh, this is Toshiya Fujita, who is not known as an actor he's primarily known as a director he is a director of lady snowblood and a few of the lady uh oh, wow. the stray cat rock movies oh, so I, he was one like the man in white that i was like dude this guy looks so familiar and it was because i've just been like watching special features about <laughs> lady snowblood and stuff recently so uh yeah and he actually doesn't look too different uh here than he did in the 70s uh a, dis- a very distinct face and mustache and stuff. Oh. Uh, what I think is going on in this vignette is, is something that's reinforced throughout the movie is that like food shouldn't respect any kind of like boundaries or or restrictions because the uh like the the guy ordering in the restaurant is ignoring all the decorum of the situation because food should transcend that or the slurping and everything. And so like mm-hmm. ignoring this, like, please uh, give only give my, don't give my child sweets and everything. The guy's like the food is too good to, to do that to somebody and then decides to share. Yeah. Hmm. I also wanted to point out that in the dentistry scenes that that part is kind of sexually charged too. I don't know if you noticed there's a lot of like scene like kind of attention paid to the nurse's like legs and arms rubbing up against him and as he's kind of recovered and like uh, after they've like opened the window and are kind of like oh gosh that was horrible one of the nurses is just kind of like posing with her arms up in the background in a very sort of like pinup style pose for like no reason yeah in my notes i have what is this sexy dancing yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we we're taken to the next vignette, which is, oh god, this is this might be my favorite one. 
if we're taken to a grocery store. Oh, uh, yeah. And <laughs> there's this guy, the guy, there's, there's one guy who's manning the register who just seems bored out of his mind. And we see an old lady who fondles a peach at the grocery store. He fondles a peach, and she fondles this peach, and she goes all around the grocery store just sort of fondling all sorts of food. He goes and sees the peach, and um, this is kind of a sexual scene too, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she makes a a slit down the down the butt cheek, uh, the like the you know the middle of the uh, not the butt cheek but like the you know how how yeah, peaches the butt cheek yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you know how peaches are butts basically right, the butt crack he she kind of like makes a an incision on the butt crack and it kind of drips or whatever and it's that that that, that red as extremely sexual to me. But um, he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and she, he just sees her and he keeps missing her and she keeps going around fondling food. Just like putting her thumbprints into the Gouda. Uh, and as she's, uh, as she's coming up on another piece of food to fondle, he gets her with a swatter, like a fly <laughs> swatter. And, uh, and as he leaves, um, as he leaves the... Uh, as he leaves the um, the grocery store, he goes to a restaurant, and his eyes meet with an older gentleman's, which uh, which is a great segue into the uh, the next vignette. So a uh, if it's that the old guy is allegedly a famous professor, who is meeting uh, with an investor. Uh, turns out though he's uh, he's being taken for a ride. This is a this guy is a con man, and he's trying to uh, take this old man for all he's worth. He's apparently a famous professor. He's worth a lot of money. Uh, and they're eating, uh, God, I wish, I wish I knew what they were eating. It's roast duck. Ah. You take the, it's sliced roast duck, and then you have these little crepes that you wrap it up in and dip it in hoisin sauce. Ah, that sounds great, actually. Sounds good. Let's get it. Yeah, they're real good. (laughs) Let's get it right now. Um, so, uh, as, uh, as this guy is on the phone, uh, talking to his superiors, his boss, I guess, uh, the old guy looks around, makes sure nobody's looking, reaches into the man's uh, coat and pilfers his wallet. And as soon as he puts the wallet away, he's handcuffed. Uh, this isn't apparently the first time he's done this. And uh, and right before he gets taken away, he says, oh, well, let me just, please let me eat one of these just for old time's sake. Uh, so he, savor- he takes a huge bite out of the duck and... Um, really savors it like you can tell that that he is really enjoying it that's the thing i i noticed the most about this movie is that whenever somebody's eating food they're really savoring it they're really enjoying mm-hmm. it yeah in different ways like sexually or like you know this is this is a uh, this is something that this guy can't have every uh, un- unless you know he's he's not in jail like <laughs> uh, this is a, a treat for him so to speak mm-hmm. yeah food really like I mean, but it's not just that there's a bunch of humorous vignettes and stuff like centered around food. Like food really does take center stage to like it really does like kind of propel all the action and everything is centered around food. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, completely. Uh, and uh, we uh, we go to the next vignette. A guy is running home uh, to his dying wife. Uh, the doctor's there. All of her kids are there. Everybody's. All around her, like, she's on death's door. She's about to die. And he's in denial about it. He's like, no, no, get up. and Get up and make dinner. 
you have to get up and make dinner. It's time. It's dinner time. So <laughs> she gets up. She gets. She gets herself up. She preps everything. She makes dinner, serves it, and then she drops dead. Um, and this scene is, uh, you know, the one of the kids is crying vehemently, and and he tells everybody to keep eating. This is the last meal that your mother cooked, and I can't decide whether this scene is hilarious or incredibly sad. Yeah. Because I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And, uh, the the thing I think that redeems it, it, it looks like just before she passes that as she's watching everybody eat her last meal that she cooked, she kind of smiles a little bit mm-hmm. before she goes. So I think that softens it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Again, it says like kind of like food is the most important. The most important thing you can do for your family when you're on death's door is make them one last meal. Yeah, uh, which I guess brings us to our our very very last vignette, um, which is uh which is the man in white yet again. Uh, it's uh he is shot a lot. <laughs> um, his 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 white his white suit his is now red with blood. Um, as he's dying, his his gross paramour comes running to him, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and his dying words invoke. Uh, <laughs> invoke yam sausages from wild boar. He, he tells this story about, hey, do you know what it's like to, to hunt wild boar in the winter? Uh, since wild, you know, wild boar uh, are herbivores, what they do is they, they dig up yams. That's all they can eat. They dig up yams, and when you kill a wild boar, uh, make sure to cut open its belly and, uh, and take out the intestine, which is going to be full of yams, and then you can have yam sausages and... <laughs> Uh, these are his dying words, and 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 her and her words of encouragement are like, yes, we will do this. We're going to have wild wild boar yam sausages, and uh, and his last words are, my last movie is starting, which takes us back to the beginning of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this scene was super funny. I laughed through like it's most great. of it. It's I very mean, memorable. Like it, it made a huge impression on me first time I saw it. Um, while he's getting shot, like how exaggerated he is with with his reaction, are just like these huge pratfalls, almost. Yeah. So exaggerated. Yeah, and his giant, like, kind of bugging his eyes out when he's saying that he's seeing his last movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's it's great. It's some great uh, overacting from a very subtle actor uh, from Shall We Dance. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's the, that's the thing that like really blew my mind was that wow, this is a. Uh... <laughs> This is not the character that uh that I've seen you play before. <laughs> Completely. Good. Yeah. Yeah, um so uh that was the last vignette and uh at that point we we rejoined Tampopo in the movie. Uh so that's that's Tampopo. Uh Any thoughts, fellas? Yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, or or I, su- for, for supp- su- supplemental <laughs> thoughts rather. Uh, this is the first time I, I had seen the movie and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the only thing that I felt was really lacking was any kind of structure to really tie all the vignettes together. Uh, every now and then it would have a subtle transition uh, with involving the previous scene, but mm-hmm. more often than not, it would just be like a cold cut to this new group of people. And I wish that because you have, you, you had a, a central plot running through the middle of the movie, I, I wish that those vignettes had been a little better connected. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it was always very satisfying in the moments when they did actually have the two plots kind of cross mm-hmm. for a moment and then shift. Yeah, it's it's a little inconsistent in that in that regard, and um, I'm completely with you both because in the the first uh, the first vignette, you know, the the book that makes sense. It's very in, it, it's interweaved uh, very subtly into the movie, and the second vignette, the salary man, that's like right after uh, the training montage, like while she's jogging and stretching. Um, they're literally in front of this French restaurant, and mm-hmm. uh, and then the next couple of vignettes happen. Uh, I wish that, uh, yeah, I, I really do wish that the rest of them were interweaved, uh, sort of like a, sort of like Mr. Show or um, uh, uh, Mighty Python's Flying Circus, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where in every single sketch is uh, is sort of seamlessly, uh, regardless of how wildly uh ridiculous it could be um weaved into you know, the next mm-hmm. uh next sketch so uh, yeah I'm, I'm completely with you there but uh I, I think it it's relying on the thematic consistency of like look, exploring food in different ways that e- even without that the movie hangs together really well yeah i uh i absolutely love this movie um friend of our show ed from the one piece podcast described it as a warm bowl of soup and i really love that (laughs) description uh it's perfect for this time of year but it'll definitely make you hungry um i you know the thing about it is is when i look back on it i think of it as a very funny and light movie but it has a lot of tooth like it has like those man in white uh segments have a darkness about them for sure and then, like I was saying earlier, there's it's very frank about uh, where the food comes from. You see, like, the pig head and killing that turtle and all that stuff. Um, but so I, I kind of like that mix. Um, and it taught me a lot about, like, I saw it very early on uh, when I was still learning about the language and culture of Japanese, like, stuff. And, and, and so I was, uh, it taught me a lot about Japanese food and their perspective on food, but also about the Japanese culture in general. I think like, like we were saying about that, the salary man segment that teaches you a lot about kind of like customs and things that traditionally you're supposed to order what the (laughs) big boss orders and things like that. Um, And, and I like the sort of contrasting things with like the um, etiquette class where it's like Westerners don't slurp their noodles. Um, (laughs) But, um, and yeah, it's so great. Uh, like, like, in, I guess my last point, uh, in ge- of general is just kind of what I was saying earlier about, um, I love that everything is filtered through food. So we, we get this cultural criticism and we also get like things lighter, like just film parody or just sort of <laughs> surreal <laughs> moments, but it's all, uh, based on a, a, a theme that seems very important to the director at least. Uh, or the writer, whoever. Yeah. Uh, so this movie, um, I had watched it this past week, uh, right after Thanksgiving, on a completely full uh, post-Thanksgiving stomach. Um, like, Thanksgiving was literally the day before, or, yeah, the day before uh, I had rewatched this with my dad. And um, it was it was actually almost painful to watch because I was hungry <laughs> while watching it throughout the entire thing, but I was so full that I didn't know what to do. That's so funny. 
Uh, what? Uh, sorry to inter- interrupt, but just real quick, the last time I've seen this movie, uh, Scott will remember because he was invited to this but couldn't make it. We watched it with some friends uh, a few years ago, and then immediately afterwards, like made ramen. Uh, and I think that's kind of the perfect thing to do, and not just like crappy store ramen. We like actually made like good ramen where we had real ingredients and stuff Ooh. like that. So uh, it was kind of perfect for that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, ever... I missed that, but I think like a week later, our, our friends made ramen again, and I was there for that in that time, which <laughs> oh, was man. the first that uh, you guys talking about Tampoco then was the first time I'd heard about it. Mm. Yeah, uh, so uh, I, I decided to watch this with my dad. I was going to wait to watch this with my dad because, um, uh, you know, my dad's a pretty you know pretty savvy guy when it comes to film and stuff like that, and we we went to Japan together. Um, uh, six, seven years ago, six or seven years ago, and uh, he generally appreciates this kind of th- kind of thing. I I don't think he enjoyed the movie very much though. Uh, he oh, that's too bad. Well, yeah. I think he had a lot of uh, he didn't understand uh, the culture behind ramen. Actually, he was like, "What's this? What's it called? Ramen? Rama?" When we were in Japan, he didn't have any ramen. Um, we didn't go to a noodle shop together. Uh, he. Well, uh, see, he went for a business trip. I tagged along. Uh, during the day, he was in meetings and stuff like that, and I basically went everywhere nice. I, I possibly could by myself. I kind of made my own little adventure. And um, I went to a couple of noodle shops myself, um, the first of which uh, was in Takarazuka, which is um, Osamu Tezuka's hometown, um, mm. and also the hometown of the Takarazuka Review, uh, which was a, uh, it was a very enlightening experience for me. Uh, because I didn't know that you were supposed to slurp ramen, uh, I sat down and I just got you know you know I'm gonna I'll just you know get a get get some get some ramen, it'll be fine. Uh, I just point to the picture, get my ramen, and I'm eating it like eating it very carefully. And and the the uh, the woman who gave gives it to me is waiting to see my reaction, and um, and. Yeah, I guess the only thing I, I I didn't really slurp it, but I I went up and I I nodded and I go mmm mmm oishi and uh, and she seemed pretty pleased. But uh, it wasn't until later on in the trip that I found out that you were supposed to slurp it not only because it's hot and that makes sense, but uh, because that's what you're supposed to do. It's it's polite to let them know how much you are enjoying the food. Uh, but yeah, my dad didn't uh, didn't have the pleasure of of going to a noodle shop with me, so he didn't know that they were a thing at all. Uh, we into an izakaya restaurant and uh, a barbecue place but uh yeah we never ended up getting ramen so i don't think he uh he completely grasped the uh the culture behind eating noodles he goes how could you eat noodles as a meal that doesn't make any sense to me so there's meat in there sometimes <laughs> yeah. veggies yeah the pork you have to it glistens you have to sit let it sit to the side and 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 undress it with your eyes as you're eating mm-hmm. the noodles. <laughs> yeah, I really liked the, the during the beginning when he's talking about how you eat it. I, I wasn't so on board with the like caressing all of the stuff to show appreciation, but I like that he kind of like tucks away the the pork off to the side and like winks at it and be like, "I'll I'll be for, here for you later." Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you I'll guys? Tell have, you guys, uh, I was kind of running late for this re- uh, recording, so when I was eating noodles for dinner, I. I had made a note to myself that I was not properly appreciating them because I was <laughs> cramming them into my face. 
Oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, so um, actually, on that note, do you guys have a, a favorite scene, favorite part of the movie? Uh, you know what? I've listened to a, a couple of our past episodes, and I feel like I keep taking Scott's, so I would like Scott <laughs> to go first. Hmm. Uh, I honestly think the the part with the businessman is is my favorite part of the movie. I just like that scene a lot and the turnaround. Uh, and and yeah, that that effect where all their all their faces are super super red at the end is just really silly in in the best way. Awesome. My personal favorite scene is the old woman squeezing the peaches. Um, that just strikes me as so bizarre, and I still think of that when I'm like shopping for produce. I'm like, maybe I should just squeeze these peaches a little and see if they're ripe. Uh, <laughs> I will say that's the part that I laughed the hardest at, especially when he when the the shop keep uh, gets down like in prone position and crawls on the ground so she doesn't see him. Like I couldn't breathe during that. Yeah, it's amazing. You like it's so minor, but you immediately get this great sense of who the two characters are, and you're fascinated by how strange it is. I think it's a good kind of like distillation of what is great about this movie. Um, uh, it's super great. How about you, Alex? Uh, gosh, I. It's really hard for me to nail down like a favorite scene, but I really do love, like the entire hobo sequence. Uh, mm -hmm. the uh the idea of hobo gourmets to me is is such a cool, funny idea. Uh, that I can't help but like love it. Um. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that like yeah this it it <laughs> this. The, uh, this genius, uh, this genius soup maker is uh, is the head of the hobos, and they're all uh, they're all super hoity-toity about like the food that they eat, and and they can eat well because they just sneak into kitchens and just eat, <laughs> and just uh, they cheat uh, restaurants out of their kitchens, and I thought that I know I, I think that that entire uh, that entire thing is brilliant, but really um I like anything that has Goro doing something. In it. He's so cool, uh, yeah. like he is such a cool character. Like it's very like. It it is so much like a western where you have your your main like, uh, your cowboy character who's like insanely cool and and uh you know is very worldly and and knows uh, a bit about this and he's tough, so um I also really like the the scene where him and and uh, Piss can fight, uh, it's 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 very tropey but it's very like it's very uh you know it's. It kind of melts, it, not melt your heart, but it, it, you know, it makes you feel like, ah, yeah, it's, these are, these are men. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a real man. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love Goro too. I think, I think he and the man in white are kind of the two things that I remember taking away from it kind of like years after I hadn't seen it for a while being like trying to recall this movie and being like, it's great. There's this like cowboy trucker guy who teaches who know who's an expert in noodles for some reason <laughs> and even without uh the like sex sequences so that kind of cuts the man in white's scenes in half but just like the meta element of of him introducing the movie in the movie theater and then that crazy death scene uh just really made a huge impact on me yeah, we've talked a lot about the vignettes and stuff, but I don't want us to undersell the a a plot and how good those performances are because it's it's really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sort of uh, ensemble of all the ex different experts are really great. Um, yeah, that guy that's the the limo driver is uh, is really good too. 
Yeah. Sure. I can't remember the actor's name at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the guy who plays Shohei is... Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Huh. I... Not listed. Kinzo no. Sakura. Yeah. Uh, I don't think of... What I I'm on I'm on Wikipedia right now and that <laughs> he, his his thing isn't showing up so uh, oh well uh, let's see here um, so as far as the music is concerned um, it, you know it's a lot of it's a lot of classic like European classical style music uh, and that's all I kind of noted honestly uh, it doesn't really have like a theme. Is it? No, I don't think so. There's like, like crazy circus music during the credits, right? During the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they just keep zooming in on that nipple. <laughs> oh yeah, get, get, get in there. Got to yeah, get they that point. Really across. want you to be intimate with that baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, here's something interesting. One of the beggars is uh, this guy Yoshi Kato, and um. He was in Battles Without uh, Honor Humanity, the uh, oh. deadly fight in Hiroshima movie. And he's also in uh, Truck Yarrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had seen that um, listed on, on Wikipedia, but it was one of the Truck Yarrows that I only seen once and don't remember very well, so I couldn't recall what his scene was. Ah, well, screw it then. Like <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> that's that's mighty fine. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I guess. It, oh, uh, I, I before before we wrap up, there uh, there's something that I uh, I found out uh, that um, Criterion is doing restoration of it. Um. Uh, as far as its release date, no idea. Um, but Yanis Films, I think, was doing screenings of it somewhere. Yeah, just before I went to New York, it, it stopped uh, at, I think, the beginning of November. They were doing a screening of their restored 4K print uh, in theaters up in New York. So uh, if that's coming to a criterion, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah this... they haven't mentioned anything about a home release, but they the Criterion Twitter account and stuff had been mentioning uh, the screenings for sure, and uh, I had... Uh, been putting that on our uh, Toho Yaro Twitter account. Hopefully, some of our followers saw that and got got the opportunity to see it in a theater. That would have been really really cool. Yeah. Well, even if uh, even if they didn't, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll get a home release and uh, this movie will be a little easier to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, I had two things that that I wanted to go into. First, I had. Uh, an epiphany for a great name for a ramen restaurant, which is It's Raining Men. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, but the second thing was, I wanted to ask you guys what your uh, what your favorite food in the movie was. Like, what made you the hungriest? Oh. Mm. They just get such beautiful uh, shots of the ramen. That's hard not to. Mm. But I think my favorite food that they actually my favorite food that I actually like to eat the best are those... Um, is it shumai that the guy with yeah. the toothache is eating? Yeah, I love shumai. Yeah, that, that looked good too. Uh, it, that peach, 
that that way before it explodes <laughs> actually while after it exploded like <laughs> honestly like the when it has when it's full on vagina mode like it's <laughs> it it it's so juicy it looks great like yeah. i wanted to just i wanted to reach out into into the television and pick it up and eat it uh but but yeah, really though, nothing nothing to me is more tantalizing than that first bowl of ramen you see in the, at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like as he, as he's you know putting the pork to the side and explaining how to eat it, it's it's that is food porn right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. How about you, Scott? Uh, my favorite was was the duck. Um, it's it's something that I've had with friends before, but I haven't had in a long time. And I was like, man, this looks amazing with those little little crepes to wrap mm. it up in. Yeah, I totally want to try that. I'll, I'll have to f- try to find a place around Atlanta that does that, and maybe you and I can go sometime, Joey. Yeah. Well, you guys have fun. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome here. to come, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I will, guys. Maybe I will. Well, there's an izakaya restaurant in um in uh, in uh downtown D.C. that I have yet to go to that I really yeah. want to try out. So maybe they have it on their menu. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, that that does it for uh, for this this month's Toho Yaro. Um, that was Tempopo. It was a, fa- a fabulous movie. Um, I hope uh, you all enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I think we should uh, we should do some plugs. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to introduce next month's movie? Oh yeah. Uh, I yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Joey, uh, what do we have on deck for next month? So in January, we will be covering Torasan, Our Lovable Tramp, <gasps> the uh, first Torasan movie. Yeah. Um, Torasan or Otoko Watsurayo. Uh, it's from 1976, uh, directed by Yoji Yamada, and it's really great. Uh, I wanted to talk just for a second about uh, the name I settled on for this. Um, Torasan, Our Lovable Tramp, is the title that the official um, English DVD from Animego gives it. I'm not crazy about this title, but, like, I I don't really... Uh, the, the Japanese title is a little bit of a mouthful, and uh, <laughs> given our current uh, kind of, like, political and social climate, I don't want to be plastering the translated version, it's tough to be a man, all over the place. <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, Torasan or Lovable Tramp is fine, and that's that's what we'll go with, but... It's a, yeah, super great movie, uh, the first of a 48-film uh, series, and it's unfortunately not available streaming anywhere, but it is included in a set of the first four Torsan films from Animego, as I mentioned, which are not too hard to found, find online for about $30, so um, track, it, track it down for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, I've, seen, I've seen the first Torsan. It's fantastic. Uh I I kind of fell in love with the series, and I kind of want to. Uh, I'm chomping at the bit to watch more of them, but I'm super excited uh, for this one. Uh, in case you guys didn't, uh, well, many listeners don't know, but our uh, our opening theme song comes from uh, Torasan. It's the Torasan theme. Yeah. And uh, this is another one that I have not like. I I know by reputation, but have not actually watched myself. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to. To Joey really spearheading this episode. Um, yeah, I think next year we're going to start to get into... I mean, we already have been covering some of our kind of favorite series and stuff, but next year I'm excited to get into, like, Torasan and a few of other things that we've been maybe putting off a little bit till we were a little 
uh, feeling a little more comfortable, and um, and and then eventually uh, plunging into later Torsan films and kind of uh, like we want to do with like Godzilla and everything else, kind of like evaluating how it's changed over the years and things like that. Yeah, great. All right. Well, uh, now that we have that taken care of, uh, where can we find y'all, Joey? You can follow me at uh, on Twitter at Joey Weiser or uh, on Tumblr, joeyweiser.tumblr.com. Um, books one through four of my all-ages graphic novel series, Merman, uh, are available in hardcover and digitally. The soft covers are now being published as well, and book two of that will be in stores December 14th. So uh, look for books one and two in softcover. Uh, would make a nice uh, gift. And the next... Uh, volumes are are coming out next year including the fifth and final volume in hardcover next year woo woohoo uh scott i am uh friska chat on twitter v-r-i-s-k-a chat uh i don't have much going on right now you can follow i'll try to remember to tweet out some information about that uh Marilyn Minter exhibition. That's really neat. And see if there's any, if you can see some of her work online. Uh, otherwise it's mostly me being angry about politics and overwatch memes at the moment, <laughs> which I get now. Cause I just started playing overwatch. Um, well, you can find me, uh, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at dude exclamation, all one word. Uh, if you're in the DC area during the month of December, I have a lot of um, performance stuff going on. Uh, Super Art Fight. Um, I've got December 9th. It's a Friday at the Black Cat. It's a great show. If you have never been, I really, uh, I really recommend it. It's basically, basically Pictionary meets Pro Wrestling. More information, superartfight.com. And uh, go to witdc.org uh, for Citizens Watch information, which is a, a, a improvised drama based on the BBC show Broadchurch that I have been cast in. It's, oh. uh, it's, uh, yeah, our rehearsals have been going amazingly and I really can't wait to see what people think of the show. It's, uh, it's, it's made me gasp a couple times while, while doing it. Uh, everybody's nice. got secrets. That sounds real exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm super excited about it. And, uh, follow us, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Toho Yaro. Uh, we tweet pictures and info relating to the movies we cover and more, uh, announcements about Japanese movies coming out on DVD in English and screenings, uh, like I had mentioned, uh, the New York screenings and stuff, uh, of Tom Popo, um, and, uh, yeah, and tweet at us with feedback. You can also email us at Toho Yaro, or, I mean, Toho Yaro at gmail.com. Um, we are still collecting suggestions for movies to review um, via email and Twitter, which I think we will start incorporating kind of mid to late next year into our lineup, which is exciting. And of course, subscribe and rate and review on iTunes, please. Yes, and um, please, if you uh, uh, if you know people who would be interested in the show, please tell them about it. Um, we could always use more listeners, and word of mouth is a great way to get people to listen to this podcast. Um, and yes, with totally. and with that, um, we're going to sign off this month, and we'll see you next year for uh, Otokawa Surayo. Mm-hmm. Of course, on. Uh...